Marvelous crew of vibrant kind, super queer and fun too. Marvelous misfits trying to find their way, determined to make it a chaotic good day. Baby. Hey, hey. This episode includes scenes involving abandonment, moving, financial hardship, mild bullying, mild language, and abuse of power. You'll also find many chaotic, good, queer shenanigans here. Sorry, Mom. Can't talk right now. I'm buying a hat at the Armadillo Hat Shop, and a very kind-hearted armadillo is trying to show me a rad fez. There. That should keep her occupied for at least a few minutes. I knew it was our moving day, and that it was uh, just about the time we were supposed to be heading out to drive to our new city, but we've been working so hard on cleaning and packing up those last weird objects, like, you don't even know how much weird stuff you have until it's five minutes before you intended to leave, and there's a huge pile of uncategorizable objects chilling in front of you and hiding in all those cabinets in your house you don't open unless you're ready to be pummeled by a waterfall of chaos. And if I'm being honest, dealing with all that, plus the sea of unpleasant emotions and anxiety which haunted me like a bad apple, hidden in the back of a cupboard, was making me feel overwhelmed and overloaded. And the day was only half over. I needed a break in time to hopefully reset myself the best I could, so I could handle the rest of what was to come, without triggering my sensory overload too much. Which is why I was busy hiding out in my treehouse. My mom kept texting me asking me where I was. I kept telling her I was in places like the Louvre Museum or under a blanket on a spaceship driven by a cat, but I don't think she believed me because she kept asking. I was trying to think of a polite way to tell my mom I wanted some alone time with my treehouse, the second reason that I was dragging my feet about leaving. This is the treehouse I grew up playing in. It's the treehouse I'd take shrimp ramen noodles up into when I wanted to eat those for breakfast instead of cereal. The treehouse I tried to keep pet ants in after scooping up their hill, but they kept falling through the cracks and the floor and landing on my brother's. The treehouse I decided to start a secret slime factory in. Except it didn't remain a secret for long when I knocked over a vat of slime while trying to dance like my favorite musical duo, Meatball and Goats, and the slime dripped down through the floorboards and directly onto my dad, who'd been standing below, moments away from asking me where all the hair curlers went. The hair curlers were part of my slime factory. I looked around the treehouse, aware that some drippy-nosed kid was probably going to move into my house next, and they were going to come up here and eat cereal like a good kid and not bring ants up here or try to fill this treehouse with slime. If I didn't have to leave you, I wouldn't, I said to the treehouse, even though I didn't really think it could hear me. If it could, it didn't say anything back. Twenty-two years of knowing you and this is how it ends, anticlimatically. You didn't fall down in protest because too many gay kisses have happened up here. You didn't fall from the sky when I dramatically shouted, Thou who speaks ill of Piper Longbow shall be struck down, before tripping and accidentally dropping my bowling ball through that weak spot in the treehouse floor. You didn't even fall when my brother Travis was in his juggling with chainsaws phase and threw one of them too high into the sky and cut off the tip of one of your tree arms. And this is how it ends. Me moving away and leaving you behind. A tear dripped from my eye and onto the floor and I flapped my hands. I thought about my pet ants. I wondered if any of their descendants still lived up here. It was my mom again. You wouldn't have had enough time to get on a plane and fly to the Happy Sloth Sanctuary in Costa Rica since I saw you this morning. We have been to Costa Rica before. We know this. Darn it. 
Maybe I could tell her I'm crawling through a ditch in a field in the wilderness trying to find a secret type of frog that only local fight clubs, which uh, I'm not allowed to talk about, know exists. I decided to go with the classic, Mom, I'm gay, and time is fake. Anyways. Mm, another text! Oh. Mom said that Brady just showed up. Well then, I guess this is it. This is the final sleepover s'more of this glittering gay gala. No more ramen. No more ants. No more slime. Just me and my treehouse. This is how it ends. Thank you for being my treehouse. Thanks for all the fun times we had together. I said quickly, trying not to cry. I took one last look around at those well-worn walls and that cracked floor where the bowling ball fell through and one final celebratory selfie. And then with great trepidation, quickly climbed down the wrinkled ladder to the treehouse. I jumped off the bottom rung of the ladder looked up at the treehouse, and waving like a princess in a car, I shouted, I shall return to you someday! I promise! My neighbor in the yard across the street was out mowing his yard for the fifth time that week, and he made a weird look over at me, but that's just how he always is. His name is Tom, and he works for the HOA, which I used to think was a spy organization to watch over food establishments, but now I know it's just a club where boring people go to die. I hope he enjoys the sound of screaming children in this treehouse. At least I didn't do that very often. I went around to the front of the house. The moving truck with the picture of the tube-nosed fruit bat clogged up the whole driveway, so Brady hadn't been able to park his car in the driveway. Now he was having to clog up the street in order to see me, which I thought was nice of him. I hope that Dave, the security person from the HOA, you know what that means now, wouldn't come by and stick an almost electrocutingly sticky ticket sticker to his car and spit out a gummy bear onto the back windshield. Something which I am not sure whether it's an HOA security guard thing or a Dave thing. Brady! I yelled, running across my yard and almost tripping over one of Papa Kev's garden gnomes. I hopped on one foot after stubbing my toe, and Brady reached out reflexively towards me, even though he still seemed like he was a mile away. I yelled an apology at the gnome. You okay? Brady looked like he was considering meeting me halfway, but then he seemed to decide against it, probably because I was still running towards him so quickly despite the gnome. I am just a knee on a bee, I said, still running towards him. I finally reached him, and we hugged each other. He looked sad, and I hugged him, but that didn't really make either of us feel any better. I really wish you weren't moving. He then absentmindedly tried to brush a piece of soil off of my mushroom and dinosaur print crop top. But we'll keep in touch. And maybe once a month or so we can visit each other. I nodded vigorously. Can we go bowling, but we're wearing costumes sometime? And go to the movie theater, but wear earbuds with an unrelated podcast about botany playing in them so we can find the symbolism between the plants and what's happening on the screen. And, and hide under the bleachers at the YMCA and eat sushi while planning our dream Bear Buddies plushies so we can get our dream ones the next time we go to the mall. Well, let's not get ahead of ourselves, Finley. <laughs> we'll plan some good things in time. And those are good ideas. Will you still send me dinosaur memes? Every one that I come across. Will you still write me letters and hide them in my yard? I mean, you probably can't do that if I live two hours away, but maybe you can send them to me in the mail and then Georgia can hide them in the yard? I'll send you letters, Finley. I promise. And Georgia can indeed hide them in the yard.
Can we still watch new episodes of Billy in the Mushroom Field? Yep. Not in person, but over Zuber for sure. I'm really going to miss you, Brady. There are so many friendship things I haven't got to do with you yet. And I have to leave. And what if I never get to do those things? What if after I move, you find another friend and do those things with them and not me? I started to cry. What if you don't like me anymore? Brady tried to comfort me. He wrapped me in a warm hug and put his cheek against the side of my head. We'll still keep in contact, Finley. I swallowed hard. You didn't say he wouldn't do those things. What if you do, though? I asked. Both of us have other friends. Me in town and you online. And I'm sure you'll make new friends once you move. It's okay for you to do that, and it's okay for me to have my friends here, but even if I do friendship things with my friends here, I'm still going to want to do those things with you. I want to continue being friends with you, Finley. You know I enjoy being friends with you, and I enjoy hanging out and the things we do. I'm still going to like you after you move. I was aware that no answer, shy of him dropping everything and deciding to move to my new town too, would ever be enough to satisfy me or make me truly believe that my fears wouldn't become my reality. But I also knew it wasn't reasonable or healthy to expect him to do those things. This was the best answer I was going to get. I had to trust that he cared about me. Thanks, Brady. You really are the best. Aww. You're amazing, too. We loosened the embrace and looked at each other sadly. Behind him, I could see my mom standing by the moving truck that I had been assigned to drive. The one with the tube-nosed fruit bat. We only had a certain amount of time allotted to us for using the moving truck, and we really didn't have any extra money to pay for additional hours. So as much as it made me feel so sad inside, I knew I had to say goodbye to Brady. I saw my four siblings rocking our van back and forth from the inside in an attempt to knock it over. By the sedan, I saw my dad pointing to Papa Kev's garden gnome, and I saw Papa Kev rushing to scoop up the same garden gnome that I had just tripped over. Suddenly, in the middle of this lovely Hall Stamp family movie moment, Dave, the fun HOA security person, slowly pulled up in front of our house in his bright red cruiser. He was twirling a toothpick around in the front of his mouth and wore a cracked leather jacket that was much too large for his thin frame. But I think he thought it made him look cool. To be honest, though, I don't think anything could make Dave look cool. What brings you fine people out here today on this fine morning? He boomed, sounding like a car salesman who regretfully had been given a megaphone by his boss who drank too much coffee and was obsessed with hustle culture. Mom stepped forward protectively. She knew someone like Dave, who'd once abandoned his kid at a Mart Mart so he could rush to ticket a car after his wife told him it was parked in the street, was not here for no reason at all. What are you here for, Dave? No pleasantries, no BS, only business. Fine yard you got here, Dave said, his hands in the pockets of his khakis. He walked a few meandering steps towards the edge of the grass. Nice house, too. Nice color. Are those begonias in the yard? No, they're sunflowers. Cucumber leaf sunflowers, to be specific. Ah, sunflowers. Really a pretty property. What do you want, Dave? Too bad your grass is 5.2 inches tall. You know, the maximum is precisely 5 inches, right? Precisely 5 inches. 
And with that, he pivoted on one foot like a ballerina with bear spray, and in one swift, smooth motion, pulled a ticket sticker out of his pocket and slapped it onto the windshield of my dad's car. It was indeed electrocutingly sticky. My siblings immediately stopped trying to knock the van over. Papa Kev almost dropped his garden gnome. Dad tried to square up in defensiveness, but remember Dave carried pepper spray around with him and had once accidentally sprayed an old woman in the face with it. I heard Dave now carried around a can of bear spray. For emergencies. Mom looked like she wanted to summon a hellhound, but realized we didn't have time for that. What is this, Dave? What do you mean by this? Dave didn't say anything, but coolly tilted his head to look over his shoulder at my mom. That'll be $100. He reached his hand back behind him and made a grabby motion with his fingers. $100 for what? Snipping any piece of grass back down to five inches with these scissors right here. There's like five pieces. How can that cost $100? My time is very valuable to me, ma'am. Maybe if more people charged what they were worth, we wouldn't have such unfortunate events as these. He eyed the moving truck and my ragtag family pointedly. I wanted to smack this silly toilet man in the face. He was talking about my family. He was making this very mean comment and wanting to fine us because he knew we had to move because we weren't able to make ends meet in this neighborhood. I'm going to slap him, I said to Brady. No, Finley. Finley. Finley, please don't slap him. Brady half-heartedly reached for me as if to stop me. If you get in a fight with him, it'll use up too much time and you'll be late on returning the moving truck. There's probably a fine for fighting him, too. Okay, well then, if I can't get in a fight with him, I'm going to get even with him. He is not getting away with this. And I rushed away from him and started creeping towards the car with my siblings, who watched me wide-eyed. In front of us, my parents began arguing with Dave. I heard them saying things like, how could he do this to us? Couldn't he see we were literally trying to move? And if he knew so much about our financial situation, then why was he finding us? And more. Travis rolled down the crank window on the car. I said, Y'all were just trying to knock this van over. How about you make good use of those skills and try and flip Dave's car? Don't d- don't actually flip it, please. But, like, make him think you're going to flip it. Make him afraid. Make Dave afraid. Make Dave afraid, my siblings whisper chanted. Then they all nodded vigorously, and without another word, they streamed out of the sliding side door of the van and crept, spy-style, towards Dave's car. I snuck around the back, towards my dad's car, where I silently opened the back door and took my printer, laptop, and printer paper off the back seat. Then I carato ran like a dog who's just captured cheese from the kitchen table around the side of the house and used my key to open the side door. Think like Piper Longbow. Think like Piper Longbow, I muttered to myself, pacing and trying to come up with a good idea for how I could get revenge on this immoral jerkball strutting around my front lawn with his bear spray and his trolling toothpick. Aha! I had it. There was one thing security guards such as Dave feared above all other things. Kindness. And no, I don't mean he deserved kindness. I was not about to be kind to someone who wanted to find my parents on our moving day, minutes before we were supposed to leave, for $100 just because our grass was a fraction of an inch too long. In that situation, uh, kindness took on a whole different meaning. I made quick work of it. Using my graphic design skills and my visual memory, I whipped up something... (laughs) Several things, in fact, in a matter of minutes. I was so proud of my work. I wanted to dance around the garage like a banshee who had just won a late-night game show, but there was no time for that. I could do that later. He 
Better remember the Wi-Fi password, you stinky plastic pal. I cursed at the printer, who may have been older than me. I smacked it gently. I could still hear my parents arguing with Dave out in the lawn, and I could hear the sound of my siblings yelling. My printer remembered, though, and a few seconds later, it had multiple shiny, perfect sheets. Oh, heck. I didn't have any scissors. I did have a rad pocket knife that was shaped like a frog, though. Perfect. I rushed out of the garage, just in time to see my siblings working as one unit to tilt the passenger side of the cruiser off the ground. So heckin' proud of them. Dave was screaming, and my mom was half-heartedly trying to tell them to stop. Dad was struggling to keep a straight face, but Papa Kev wasn't even trying to stifle his laughter. He just laughed openly at the scene before them with his booming laugh. My sister Georgia noticed me coming around the side of the house, but I motioned to her to keep distracting Dave so I could put the printer and laptop and paper back in the car. Then I crawled along the ground like a fast sloth towards the side of the cruiser where Dave could not see me. I whispered to my brother Travis my plan, and he abruptly stopped trying to flip the cruiser and said loudly enough for Dave to hear him. All right, y'all, it's time to interrogate this freak. My siblings got the message and dropped the car back onto the ground with a thump. Dave looked ready to pull his hair out. No, no, no! It's not time for you to interrogate me. It's time for me to interrogate you. Why were you trying to flip my cruiser over? You can't just go around doing that. My siblings went to surround him in an uncomfortably close circle. And right on cue, my youngest sister Ivy flipped the bird at him, getting him to turn his back on me and the cruiser as he lost himself to his own outrage. I snuck onto the driver's seat of the cruiser. I looked around his car until I found the box of electrocutingly sticky stickers sitting in his glove box right next to his bag of gummy bears. Carefully, I picked up all his stickers and replaced them with the ones I had made. Ones that, uh, instead of having a jerk note with a sarcastic smiley face about how you had broken the rules and now you had to pay, these were coupon vouchers for a free slice of pizza at Mel's Pizza Salon, paid for by the HOA. That was when I noticed the paper list right in the middle of the glove box of all the people whom he'd find. There were a lot of people. And I noticed that next to many of them, he'd written rude little notes about what he really thought about them. Miss Leonard. Grass too tall. Wears too much hairspray. $100. Mix Jackson. Had unapproved signage in yard. Bird feeder on pole. Also, they smell like beans. $50. Mr. Peony. Grass too tall. Why does he wear such bright colors? Makes him look like a traffic cone. Neglected to say good morning to me once. $100. Miss Elva. Small spot of mildew on driveway. Her cat looks like a bear that got sunburnt. $75. I knew all the people he'd written the names of. I'd lived here in this neighborhood for most of my life. They didn't deserve these rude notes about them, and their alleged crimes were ridiculously petty. And while the rules were definitely strict, they were nowhere near as strict as the way Dave was enforcing them. I'd read the HOA handbook like three times because I had grand ideas of infiltrating into their organization and destroying it from the inside out like a Trojan horse. I probably would have done that if we hadn't had to move. So I know random facts like that your driveway must be at least 50% covered in mildew before they complain, or that the maximum fine for trees at new trimming is $30. Wait a second. Oh, heck. I looked at the list of people again. Unapproved signage only had a maximum fine of $20, but he'd listed $50. Mildew on your driveway? A fine of $40. He put $75. And no wonder the fine of $100 for tall grass seemed like a lot when he'd said it, because the maximum fine for that was just $50, and they were required to give you three warnings before charging you. Why had he written those amounts? 
Oh, wait. Underneath the list was an envelope full of the cash he had collected from each of them. I quickly counted the amount of cash in the envelope. The sheet was for this week, so I assumed the envelope was due. As rules had it, at their meeting each Monday, they had to submit the fines they had collected that week. Assuming my math was correct, in each case, he'd collected two to three times as much as he was supposed to from each person. He had $325 in the envelope, but he only should have had $160. Which meant one thing. Dave was stealing from the resident. If he wasn't submitting this at the HOA meeting, the only other place it could be going was in his pocket. I snatched up the cash and left in its place a series of prints featuring frogs wearing tutus that I meant to put in my backpack earlier, and I took a photo of the list with my phone. I could deal with that later. I snuck out of the cruiser the same way I snuck in, then crawled around the side of the house so I could pretend to come out from alongside it and act as though nothing had happened. Dave was still yelling at my siblings, and Tom was chuckling from across the street. Hey now, Sibs, I shouted across the lawn. I noticed Dave was making my mom write him a check for the $100 because she didn't have the cash. Nor did she have it in her checking account, which I'm sure she tried to explain to him, as we were really running low on funds despite his disregard for this fact. Dave put the check in his pocket and smirked like a hyena. I said to my siblings, We gotta get going. It looks like what's done is done. I made sure to sound especially sad and defeated as I said that. They caught my drift, and hanging their heads, they muttered overdramatic apologies to Dave and headed back to the van. I noticed Basil was smirking, though. All three of my parents now looked super stressed, having just handed over money they didn't have that my grandparents would now have to cover. I ran towards my mom to go comfort her, and I bumped into Dave as I did, almost falling for the second time that day. You're kind of like a garden gnome, but weirder, I told him, without context before embracing my mom and shouting, Mom, are you okay? Did he hurt you? No, Finley. I'm fine. Dave, having received his check and protected his cruiser, saluted my parents with the utmost sarcasm and said, Hope your move goes fantastic. Maybe you'll actually be able to afford the fees when you mess up at the next place. He threw a gummy bear into our yard, got in his cruiser, then pulled out of the driveway and drove away down the street, still twirling his toothpick. My parents turned towards each other and started discussing how they were going to cover this fee. I started chuckling behind them. My mom turned around, looking stressed. Finley, why are you chuckling? That was when I showed her. Folded in the palm of my hand was the check she had just given Dave. Finley! <laughs> my dad's beamed at me. Dad went over to hug Mom, and Papa Kev came over to hug me. We're all so proud of you, Finley, Papa Kev said. It's you that taught them this, Kevin. I know it. <laughs> and I'm not even mad. My dad nervously looked over at his watch and exclaimed, Oh heck, we've really got to get going, especially after all that. And I said, Wait, there's one more thing I gotta do. And what's that? I've gotta go say goodbye to Tom, of course. What kind of neighbor would I be if I didn't? I walked across the street. Tom eyed me suspiciously from his lawn as though I was going to pluck a perfect piece of grass from his yard and set it on fire right in front of him. I won't touch the grass, I said, walking up his driveway slowly, as though I was approaching a scared animal. Good, good, good. I was just about to set that boundary for you, again. Boundary respected. Well, it looks like Dave had a good little meeting with you guys. It seems like it was productive, though. At least I hope it was with all that yelling and near-wrestling. 
I ignored his comments and calmly continued. I just wanted to say I'm sorry for all the weird things you had to see me do. Like running around in my chicken suit or juggling rubber ducks while riding a unicycle while singing songs from Les Unmiserables at the top of my lungs, or the time that I accidentally burned down your mailbox when I was 12. Don't forget the time you spilled bees in my yard, okay? Oh yeah, those two. <laughs> okay. I hope your next across-the-street neighbors are more normal, I said. Then I waved a little goodbye to him and went back to my own driveway. <laughs> As I approached, Mom looked at me and asked, Finley, did I see you stick something to Tom's car when you were over there? I smirked. Uh, maybe I did. Maybe it's nothing. Maybe he just happens to have a new bumper sticker that reads, I heart the HOA, where boring people go to die. Finley! (laughs) It really was time to get going, because now I wasn't sure what would happen first. Running out of time on a rental, or prominent neighborhood jerks leading a crusade against me. Ready or not, this was a new chapter of my life I had to open, otherwise known as skipping town real quick for a bit until the chaos you've ignited settles down. Onward, I shouted, heading for the cab of the moving truck. Episode 1 of Finley and the Chaos Crew was written, directed, produced, and edited by Ashley Craft, who also voiced Finley. Brady was voiced by Kai Ben-Shahar. Dave was voiced by Perry F. Bruns. Ava Morgan was voiced by Chijoke Williams. Tom was voiced by Andrew Arnett. And introduction and end credits read by Casper Oliver. Theme song was written and performed by Ashley Craft. Background song titled Stepping Stones was written and performed by Sox Whitmore. Casting was done by Amanda Noriko Newman. If you've enjoyed this episode, please give us a five-star review on your favorite podcast website. Recommend us to your friends and support this project by using the links in the episode's description. This series was produced as part of Thesperience Productions and Freedom Meadow Media. Thank you for listening. Have a marvelous day and have fun being yourself.